be with the crew tomorrow. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. radiocom Hello and welcome to the next episode, the third episode of Transmissions from the Ninth World. Um, we're really excited tonight. That's myself, David Brown, and Eric Coates. Howdy. Jim Ryan. Greetings. So the usual crew is here, but we have an addition tonight that we're extremely excited about. Um, the creator of Numenera, the reason why we are putting this podcast on, is here with us tonight, Monty. Hey, how's it going? Uh, we're, it's going great for me. How about you guys? I can't say that I've ever been more thrilled than I am right now. It goes well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So um, we, we've talked a little with Monty, and we've got a list of questions regarding Monty's experiences in the industry and, and Numenera especially because that's what our podcast is about. So um, we're going to ask some questions to you, Monty. Do you have anything you want to share before we get started? Um, just that I, I think that it's really cool that you guys started this and uh, I'm I'm eager to see where it goes. Excellent. Well, that's we are we. too. We're, we're <laughs> along for the ride and we're extremely excited to have you. So we'll get right into it. Um, so the first question I had, and this is kind of a pretty broad question, but um, and we've done some research on you, of course, you know, out of interest and, and out of wanting to know more about Numenera, but uh, wanted to give you a chance to answer some of these things for us. And that's so what got you into to designing games? Well, um, I was I was in a bookstore. It was a uh, uh, B. Dalton, which is a chain that hasn't existed for a while, I don't think. <laughs> oh, um, I remember those guys. Yes, too. I do, too, actually. And uh, I was going through their their D and D section. I was a I was already a D and D fan, and uh, I came upon uh, a new module that I hadn't seen before, and I pulled it out. And uh, unlike all the other modules that I had seen up until then, this one didn't say by Gary Gygax. This was uh, an adventure called uh, Dwellers of the Forbidden City. And it said by David Cook. And, you know, I just thought to myself, well, that's that's my name, right? You know, that Cook. And mm -hmm. it was like at that moment, um, probably about 14 years old or so, that I realized it's somebody's job to to put these together, right? I hadn't really ever thought about the fact that it was the actual person on the other end you know, writing Dungeons and Dragons, writing role-playing game stuff, writing adventures. But, you know, seeing that name that was so similar to mine made me realize that somebody, you know, that was somebody's job. And I said, I want that to be my job. Nice. Basically, I just kind of, you know, have moved forward toward that goal like a laser since then. Um, and, you know, now here I am, and I've been doing this for about 25 years. So. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, see, I saw Luke Skywalker and thought that that could be my job, and it didn't pan out so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole Jedi practice in the force. When you need one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I learned that about first acting lightsaber. and thought, well, maybe that was the direction to go, and that didn't work so well either. So here we are on a podcast uh, as a web designer. So um, that that was very insightful. Um, what was it like being – you know, you talked about D&D, &D and you'd been aware of it and decided that was the focus of where you wanted to do – you obviously got working for TSR, got part of that whole, the big picture, which is, you know, impressive to, to grasp that dream and, and, and take hold of it and, and live it. So you find yourself part of the 3.0 team, the, the reworking for, you know, the most well-known RPG in, in history. Um, what was it like? Uh, well, you know, that was a, a great experience. Um I started working for TSR in, in 1994 and then they got bought out by Wizards of the Coast in 97. But it was right after that um, that we put together a team to do a new edition of the game. And uh, it was, it was, you know, it was a very exciting time. Um, you know, new living in a new place, working at a new company, um, 
and and here now working on a new edition of the game uh it was it was kind of an amazing time and it was such an honor to be you know selected to be on that team um at the time with uh skip williams and rich baker uh eventually rich baker left the team and jonathan tweet joined the team and so the the majority of the work actually probably you know got done by by Skip and Jonathan and I, uh, just the three of us working together, you know, day in, day out for almost three years. Um, you know, it, it was quite literally, you know, I would show up at work, I would go into a meeting room and there would be Jonathan and Skip and we would sit down and say, okay, so the topic for today is second level cleric spells, right? And we would just like, spend the whole day talking about Dungeons and Dragons, right? It's a pretty good, <laughs> nice gig. So yeah, that just sounds so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be forced to talk about D&D. <laughs> so were there any like sacred cows when working on that kind of re- regeneration? <clears throat> For sure. Um, in fact, I think that as it applies to game design, I think that might be where the term sacred cows comes from. <laughs> um, no, we, we we released publicly when we announced that they were going to do a new edition. I think the first thing that we announced publicly was our list of sacred cows. And, mm. and they were things like, um, you know, there will be the the ability scores that you're used to, you know, strength, constitution, dexterity, etc. They'll be from 3 to 18. Um, there will be fighters and wizards and, you know, all the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then and then they, they got to be a little bit more gameplay focused which i think was really important to me like like one of the sacred cows was you know wizards will cast fireballs and when they do they will pick up a whole bunch of six siders and toss them <laughs> all at once, right because that to me that that kind of thing is is part of the visceral experience of playing mm-hmm. uh, and actually you know it, it's it's some of that same kind of mindset that i've carried with me um through to to numenera as well but we can get to that in a minute oh yes we will um, the other question I had was, uh, did you have any part in the decision to release the rules in the, um, the OGL, the open Not, game license? Um, but in that the guy whose idea that actually was Ryan Dancy, mm-hmm. um, came to us, uh, the design team and kind of pitched the idea and it took us a little while and, and by a little while, I mean like a day or two. Mm. Um, to kind of come around to the idea because, you know, our initial reaction was kind of expected, right? Which was mm-hmm. no, you yeah. know, don't copyright material. Sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't want someone else writing D and D stuff. We mm-hmm. want to write D and D stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one, it didn't take very long to kind of see the, the sense of it. And uh, I, I think it was a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, real brief. Well, Real brief question for me. I'm a big uh, Heroclix fan, had been for ages. I haven't really gotten a lot recently. But when, when reviewing all this, somehow I, I, I guess I lost touch with that you were one of the original designers of that game. So, you know, what? how did that take place? <laughs> well, um, so uh, in the uh, <clears throat> very, very early days of WizKids, um, basically so early that they didn't actually have like a formal office yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, you know, they were riding the success of Mage Knight, mm-hmm. you know, their, their first miniatures uh, game. And they knew that they wanted to take Mage Knight and take it into a lot of different directions. Um, and they knew that they wanted to do a superhero thing. And I had, um, you know, in the past I had worked on games like champions and Marvel superheroes and, and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, basically I was brought on board, um, and I, basically I was the, I was the initial designer for Heroclix. I took, I took the Mage Knight rules, uh, which were, uh, you know, great, a great rule set, but, but didn't cover everything that, you know, a superhero game would need to cover. Basically I took those and, and changed them and, and adapted them to both Marvel and DC uh, and designed with the first uh, reset for each of those. So right, so I picked out all of the characters and I designed all their powers. Um, you know, I made it so that unlike every other 
click, um, you know, the the Hulk actually gets more powerful the more damage he takes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, so that was a lot of fun. I'm a big comic book fan. And so that was a huge kick. Um, and so I designed the first two sets. And then basically, you know, I had to move on to other things. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a brilliant game set. And I think obviously the the length of the game still going on says a lot about what you what you cooked into it. Um, they've definitely added some some neat features here and there, but um, the core of it's still what it was. So appreciative. Um, Pathfinder is a, a big game that we actually play a lot, um, uh, awesome. and uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about your involvement in uh, Pathfinder. I, um, you know, some people from the outside might think that you might have been brought in to just kind of associate your name with the the thing, but but tell us more. I mean, obviously, there's there's more of your involvement than than just that, right? So, um, my official title for Pathfinder was rules consultant, and basically, what that means is, you know, since it's it's based on the D twenty system, which of course is is really the third edition D and D system. Um, They basically brought me on to be, you know, to look over Pathfinder and kind of give my own commentary to the the designer, uh, Jason. Mm -hmm. And then then basically I just became a a resource for Jason. You know, if he had a question about, you know, why um, we did... Uh, 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 why we made a rule the way we did, you know, where the numbers of a certain table came from, you know, how, how, what formula did we use to derive something? Um, You know, I just provided that information for him so that he could understand it because, you know, when then he came along and would change things, he wanted to make sure that he was changing them, but wasn't, you know, that there's so much about third edition that is kind of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, that you know if you start tinkering with things and and ma- making major changes you don't always know exactly uh the implications that they're going to have so that was my role sure sure like maintaining the balance and ma- maintaining the the rationale for why certain rules were certain ways right very cool very cool um so jim jim talk to him about kickstarter sure absolutely <laughs> So uh, we've talked about the past, and uh, it is uh, my duty in this episode to be the ghost of Christmas present. Uh, so if you'll touch my robe, we'll take you over to the Numenera Kickstarter. <laughs> um, actually, the uh, now that uh, finished its funding in September, um, and you had, it looks like, about 25 times the money that you asked for from it. Like and that, uh, yeah. so, uh, so first off, congrats once again on the massive success there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how did you react to that when you saw that? Well, so, you know, our initial goal was 20,000. Um, but, you know, I knew we were going to get more than 20,000. Um, but, you know, my Kickstarter philosophy was make that initial goal. And I, and I think that this should be everyone's Kickstarter philosophy, actually. Um, you know, I, I, I have such sort of firm ideas of how Kickstarters should be run that I, I actually wrote a short book um, called Kicking It with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Shauna Germain, who also has run a successful Kickstarter. Sure. We, we pimped it for you in one of the previous episodes. So I, I thought so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I, I intentionally set that goal very, very low so that we could start diving into those stretch goals, because I think that's where the magic of Kickstarter actually happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's the part of it that, makes the people who've already become supporters want to help you spread the news um, because then they're, they're, the thing that they already paid for gets better and better with more and more stretch goals. And, you know, so they're incentivized. I mean, it's, it's kind of a win-win for everybody at that point. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Cool. All the but, ones but that I've been a part of. Um, I, I, I was very surprised that it got as far as it did. You know, I, I, I tacked on, you know, a funny little stretch goal early on, which was if we hit half a million dollars, you know, I'll make a Monero movie, right? Thinking ah. that happened, but wouldn't it be cool if it did? And of course, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you're in for it now. <laughs> awesome. And are there going to, do you think they're going to be more Numenera Kickstarters? Or is that was pretty much all you needed to get it set up? 
Um, well, for no, I, I, I'm not planning on any, um, you know, because the Numenera, the, the Kickstarter, what it actually ended up kickstarting, and, and this was actually, you know, sort of my plan, my hope, was that it really kickstarted not just the book, the core book, but um, the entire line, right? Mm-hmm. The stretch goals, mm-hmm. you know, all these different, you know, adventures and source books and things like that. So um, we've pretty much got things set up now for, you know, through into 2014 at least so mm-hmm. awesome yeah right well let's go back a little bit and talk about uh, talk a little bit about your inspirations for numenera uh, where did okay. uh, where did this come from um well the idea for the setting is something that in one form or another i've sort of had kind of churning around in my head for a long, long time um, before I went to work for TSR, actually. Uh, so, you know, 20 years ago or so, um, you know, and I just I've sort of always been fascinated with this idea that you're presented with a what seems like a fantasy game. But then when you look a little bit closer, you realize, oh, wait, no, this is actually a science fiction game, you know, yeah. and the things that people are calling magic are actually technology. Um, they just don't understand it. Right. And that whole Arthur C. Clarke quote, right. Um, that I, that I keep saying over and over again. (laughs) We do too. Yeah. Me me too. They, they make me say it every episode. Basically we have to say it. I think that's, that's like one of those things that just has to happen now. Right. (laughs) Well, well, now that we've hung a lump, hung a lampshade on it, let's go ahead and say it again. Uh, Monty, would you do the honors? <laughs> any any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, right? So it's the idea that you've got all this crazy, super advanced stuff that, that the people of the setting think is magic. Um, but maybe we as players know is technology. But even from, from a Numenera's point of view, even then, even though you and I can look at that and say, oh, yeah, that's that's through technology, it's still technology so far beyond us that we can't even really grasp it. You know, like if you're playing, um, you know, a post-apocalyptic game, like, I don't know, Gamma World or um, way, way back when I used to like this game called Aftermath, um, you know, where you, you kind of run into these things where it's like everybody finds a, a, a car, right? But the player or the, the players all know it's a car. But the characters, you know, are all these primitive tribes people, and they don't know it's a car. And so everyone around the table has to kind of pretend that they don't really know how the car works or what it's for or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, that's okay for that kind of game, but that's not the kind of gameplay experience I wanted for Numenera. So that's why it's just super far advanced technology, right? So that even though we know it's technology, it's not... Uh, you know, it's not recognizable, right? You know that that's some weird device in that NPC's hand, but, you know, is it a gun? Is it a teleporter? Is it a force field projector? You don't know, right? And, and that's yeah. part of the fun. Very cool. Now, uh, I think I've, uh, in talking to some folks, uh, there's a, a sort of a wide range of opinions here, but uh, some folks can kind of look and they see specific things um, in what's been said about Numenera, uh, whether they're, you know, potentially whether they're or not, but some folks have made comparisons with uh, Dune. I've also heard uh, Pandora, Mobius. Um, are there any specific influences you want to talk about that might be prevalent in the design of the setting? You mean Pandora as in Borderlands? No, I'm sorry, that was me. That was Pandora as in, like, uh, uh, from Avatar, the, some of the, uh, oh, the oh. floating uh, elements. and. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, I hadn't actually thought about that one. Um, Mobius, uh, the French artist, absolutely. Mm. Probably first and foremost, yeah. uh, probably the, has the biggest impact, uh, at least visually. But, you know, not even just visually, because if you look at some of Mobius's artwork, um, he'll have like this vast desert landscape with these like rocky cliffs in the background. But then you look more closely at the rocky cliffs and you can see that they're actually buildings, right? Mm-hmm. That sediment and, and erosion have sort of made into a cliffside. Um, that, that, that concept alone was very, very formative for, for the Numenera idea. Nice. Um, I would also credit uh, Gene Wolfe's books, um, 
Yes. The book of the new sun, book of the long sun a little bit, but mostly the book of yeah. the new sun. Um, you know, cause that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about, right? Where you start reading it and it's like, you think you're reading a fantasy, but then you realize it's actually science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have to say I was reading through the Amber monolith and uh, I, I could see that very clearly as I was looking through, uh, as just sort of reading through a new sun, new sun, new sun. Then we get mm-hmm. to near the end. And I'm like, ah, long sun. <laughs> very <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I actually, after our initial discussion about that and you made specific references to, to Gene Wolf in your uh, um, thing. So uh, definitely I've picked it up and I'm reading it, but I do have to say going back to the Amber monolith, Damn you for what you did to the the Thuman. I'm I'm upset. Uh. <laughs> I, I almost I almost broke down in tears when I read through that scene. Mostly because I was kind of thinking dog in my head, and I know yeah. Thuman's yeah. not a dog, but I just oh that was that was Same good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Poor little yeah, dog. I'm glad you liked it. Or yeah, didn't. yeah, no, that was great. <laughs> so we talked. We had like a whole first episode on that concept that you said about a billion years in the future, and I think that's tremendously ambitious and you know what do you think would be the most pronounced differences because of that from newman era versus any other you know tabletop setting that's out there wow um well you know obviously the the technology um is almost certainly you know the 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 leftover technology and Mm -hmm. and the fact that um you know it's it's not even a matter of like, oh, there used to be this former civilization and it was so incredibly advanced. Um, it's it's that there were a, a number of these incredibly, you know, there's an, a billion years is enough time mm-hmm. for, um, you know, uh, a civilization to evolve and arise on the planet to, you know, reach great heights, explore the stars, form some kind of great empire and then have all that collapse and the rings go away, and then for that to happen again and mm-hmm. again. Right? Um, so a billion years is really exciting to me because it does something really interesting, I think, with the idea that this is still Earth. And so there, there is that familiarity. There is that connection. But this is, you know, Earth unlike anything that we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yes, yeah, so some of your recent... Um... The design diaries that are talking about some of the uh, the uh, kind of extraterrestrial intermixings of stuff is uh, laying some groundwork for some great ideas. Um, very, very, very enthusiastic about that. Thanks. Um, and and you know what I think is cool is that it's not it shouldn't be completely foreign. I mean, people who are fans of D and D all the time, you're going and you're exploring ruins of of ancient civilizations in that kind of setting so it's it's similar but yet it expands to such a great so many options of what you could you know squeeze in there beyond just what we think of as magic in a uh i guess a vancian sense or a, you know in a D context so uh that's exciting They're very exciting yeah you know and there's other fun things about a billion years in the future too like um uh, the moon will be farther away from the earth than it is now by a considerable amount, which will change the length of the day. Mm. So a Numenera day is about 28 hours long. Oh, nice. um, you know, and the, the sun is going to continue to get brighter. And so um, well before a billion years passes, the, the sun should make it impossible for life as we know it to even exist on the planet. So Right there, we know something happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody did something. <laughs> um, you know, we're, you know, the people of the ninth world don't know what it is, and they probably don't even know that it happened. But <laughs> somebody in the past did something to make it so that life can continue on Earth. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah, that's uh, and you know the 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 unraveling of that could be potentially a good storyline. Um, yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so game mechanics, um, are you approaching this game with a clean Seder or is there anything that you're really kind of bringing to it that you feel work from other games, any kind of core concepts or anything? Um, the, the stuff that I'm, uh, the stuff like that isn't really so much specific game mechanics as it's, as it's gameplay mm-hmm. uh, aspects, right? Um, I've, I've written about this, but 
you know, when I was just trying to decide what the core mechanic should be, for a long time, I was toying with the idea of making it, making the system based on uh, rolling 2d10 for when you, whenever a character takes action, right, and adding those together, because I liked the bell curve that you mm-hmm. get, you know, the normalized results. But, but the thing is, is that I, what I just kept coming back to was, you know, God, when people sit down to play games, they just love rolling the 20-sided die, right? I mean, everybody knows. I mean, what what happens if the, that die clatters across the table and it comes up a 20 or it comes up a 1, right? Um, uh, we, we, it, it's just such a, it's such a big part of gamer culture. And I know that there are plenty of games that don't use that. But, you know, I also am very keenly aware that people who've been following my work for the last... 10 or 15 years are all, you know, D and D players. And, uh, I don't, I don't want to, while, while I'm using the D 20 in my game, just like the D 20 system, you, you know, there's, this isn't the D 20 system and it's really nothing like it other than the, the type of die that it based around. But nevertheless, I, I wanted that familiar touchstone. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I mean, you can't go wrong with a D20 except um, when it's in Eric's hands. Yeah, as I was say, <laughs> unless you're me and, you know, what you're mentioning of the, the, the tw- rolling a 20, I, I rarely know what that really means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed you took a picture of a 19 from the other night's game and I thought... Mm, that's as close that's- as he's getting. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, obviously you have um, Kieran as your your lead artist on this, but... You know, what have you been looking for when seeking artists to represent your vision for the game? Um, so uh, that's that's something that we've been doing just in the last few weeks is talking to a lot of different artists. Um, and we really want, you know, we really want them to build off of the the vision that, that Kieran and I have kind of jointly made with, with the look of things. Um, you know, to really be able to capture what's actually a little bit difficult to do, right? That whole sort of fantasy, but really science fiction kind of thing, right? You know, you tell people that it's a science fantasy and, and immediately they think, okay, so it's a guy riding a dragon, holding a laser pistol, right? You know, that it's just fantasy meets science fiction, but really that's not what Numenera is. Um, It's, it's far more subtle than that. And so, you know, it's, it's not, you know, there, there are plenty of settings out there, some of which I think are really cool, um, that have that kind of the, you know, the two genres just kind of butting up against each other and facing off. You know, Shadowrun is kind of like that, or or other riffs. Um, that's all really cool, but but you know, Numenera is is not that, and so um, getting people to capture that idea, getting people to show technology that is clearly technology but but you don't know what it is um because that's part of the mystery uh that that's been challenging but you know we've we've got our hands on some great great artists now and i'm really excited about what the way this book is going to look very Very nice very cool yeah everything i've seen thus far has just been totally inspirational one of the main reasons i i got drawn into this and uh, going back to our first episode, you know, Eric is a huge Kickstarter fan, loves the concept, really shares a lot of that stuff with us. And when he shared this with me, that that's definitely what drew me in and uh, really appreciative of everything you guys have done so far. The irony is, is that Kieran insists that he's not very good at doing landscape art. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's not correct. <laughs> Can't wait if to see his other stuff then. Yeah. Yeah. If that's the not good stuff, then wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is very cool. Well, uh, let's uh, st- take a step back here and look at the big picture for a moment. And uh, just uh, how do you, what do you, how do you feel the overall progress of the new Monero project is going? Um, it's, it's going really well. Um, it's a ton of work. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing the vast majority of, of, of the initial book and I'm, um, you know, doing all the coordinating of all the other aspects of, you know, which is the artists and the layout people and the 
cover and the printer and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but then in addition to that, you know, there's all the other stuff that's involved with the Kickstarter, right? Um, you know, this week, for example, uh, we've been contacting the people who pledged a level in the Kickstarter so that they could contribute a character to the book. Um, you know, and that, that stuff just takes time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there were there was a reward level on the Kickstarter that said that I was going to give um, some seminar online seminars on game design. You know, so I've been I've been doing that. Um, so it's just, you know, and there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, and you know, I've been working with the guys at AEG who are doing the Numenera Thunderstone game. Mm. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, talking to the guys at Q Workshop because I've, you know, one of the one of the Kickstarter rewards is, or, you know, and the add-on rewards is uh, Numenera specific dice. And there's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's sometimes it's hard to keep it all in my head. Actually, there's just <laughs> so much going on. Um, but <laughs> thankfully I've got good people helping me. Um, the lead editor, uh, Shauna Germain, who I also worked on that Kickstarter book with, um, you know, is, is doing great work and really helping me pull this stuff together. And of course, Kieran, and uh, I've got uh, Sean Reynolds lined up to do uh, a development pass over the rules. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Sean Reynolds, uh, you know, started at TSR, worked at Wizards, now works at Paizo. Um, you know, he's a good he's a good rules guy. So just to make mm-hmm. sure, that, you know, a rules developer is so important to the process because you know what he does is he he makes sure that like if if you say that an ability works one way on page seven and then you're talking about a very very similar ability on page 107 you want to make sure that those you know are are described and phrased in the same way and that they're phrased both phrased in the way that makes the most sense and is clearest and um you know it's uh you know real good game design good game writing is is a very tricky prospect it's not just a matter of just you know typing it up and sending it off um, because you know you're writing something that is not only meant to teach someone to play a game, but then forever after it's going to be a rules reference for people who continue to play the game. Mm-hmm. And you know sometimes those two goals kind of work counterproductively. Um, so you've got to kind of walk a fine line. Well, amongst the ninety bajillion D things that you've got going on with this project. Um, uh, among them is a, uh, is, I believe is a bestiary, uh, right. that's going to be coming up. Uh, do you have a favorite creature that's going in there? Um, well, uh, that you at, can talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> at this stage, um, the creatures, the only creatures that we've designed are the ones that are actually going to go in the core book. Um, the core book is going to have, um, it's going to have everything that you need to play. Um, you know, it's going to have a, it's going to have a few creatures. It's going to have some adventures, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a complete thing. The bestiary will just be even more creatures. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it'll be the kind of thing where, you know, I, I think people who are really into the game will definitely want the bestiary because the core book only has a very limited amount of space for mm. creatures. Sure. Uh, but as far as creatures go, um, that we've worked on, um, so, boy, that's, that's actually a hard question. Um, <laughs> I, I keep going, well, actually, I keep going back to this creature, uh, that Kieran created actually from, as a piece of concept art that, that mm-hmm. I, I created, uh, stats for, uh, that I call a crag worm, um, which if you go to Numenera.com, you can find it. It's a, it's a black and white piece of a big roaring serpent thing with its impossibly wide open mouth um, and a whole bunch of eyes. And there's a figure kind of jumping up toward it with a sword. Um, I I really like that one, but you know, um, we also just uh, were talking about a completely different kind of thing. You know, one of the things about Numenera and the past uh, of Numenera is that, um, one of the avenues in which the the ancients started to kind of delve into was not just interplanetary travel and things like that, but actually interdimensional stuff. And that means that there are what we're calling ultra terrestrials also involved in the ninth world, as opposed to just extraterrestrials being, you know, being 
from some other dimension. And uh, so I, I, haven't, I haven't actually even written it up yet, but I have this idea for this creature that is just made out of singularities um that just a whole bunch basically a whole conglomeration of tiny little miniature black holes oh wow <laughs> you can imagine just how dangerous this thing is <laughs> this mine is awesome <laughs> black bubbles you know coming toward you and you don't really know you know it's almost like you know in D and D terms it's like a creature that can just create spheres of annihilation you know <laughs> Ah, jeez! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I uh, I can't wait to see that. Or, oh yes, definitely. Uh, that, yeah. that, that, or, or rather, I should probably say, I can't wait for my character to be killed by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you might just want to say, you can't wait to not see it because you know it's yeah, going to kill know, you. Right? <laughs> I can't wait to see it and run the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, not the dark alley. <laughs> no. Oh, that's awesome. Well, while we're talking about favorites. Um, do you have a favorite cipher that you've worked on so far? Hmm. Um, wow. That's, that's even harder. Um, <laughs> too many cool things. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get such a kick out of creating weird oh. stuff like that. Uh, or you can just talk about what kinds you like to work. You've been enjoying working on lately. What I really like are, um, div- you know, I, I, I guess I keep kind of going back to that, but devices that that take you a while to kind of wrap your mind around, like that, that take you a while to kind of figure out even what it is. And, you know, it's funny because when I when I think about this, I think about an old D&D module that I absolutely loved called um, uh, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. Mm-hmm. And in Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, you know, it's all about this crashed spaceship. And yep. you so you go into this dungeon not really knowing what it is, and it's actually a spaceship, and and you find this weird technological stuff. And one of the brilliant things that the designer did was he made it so that nothing looked like what you'd you know, there were guns, but they didn't look like guns. You know, they were these weird kind of things that you mounted on your shoulder and kind of went back behind your head and then fired over your head and you know they were just weird um and i i I really like stuff like that right so like i was just creating um some stuff that is you know these devices i'm kind of i designed three or four of them so far they're these devices that like take you a number of rounds to set up Uh um but then once once you set them up you know i sort of am imagining kind of like them on a big tripod and you're putting uh. the legs and you're getting the thing up and you're <laughs> you know you're you're putting up all the antennae or whatever and and then you finally get the thing going and you push all the right buttons and then it does something really remarkable um like you know generates a force field that protects the whole group or you know just starts spraying out flaming missiles you know that just, <laughs> yeah of, you know dozens of foes or whatever and I, I really like that idea not only because those things are never really going to look like what you think they're going to look like but because you know it, it's such an you know it's such an interesting kind of player choice then right you know i can just yeah. hit these guys with my sword and and get my attacks off now or i can spend three rounds and you know work on putting this thing together but then once it's up you know we're going to win this fight you know that yeah. that kind of interesting choice and the nice thing about that too is is that the numenera game system moves fast enough so that you know if i say well i'm going to spend the next three rounds setting up this device you know that's going to project a field that doesn't mean that you're out of the game for the next hour yeah yeah <laughs> like in some other recent systems we've played yes. <laughs> oh that is very cool and it's I, as you described that i can just picture a scene where people are scrambling and trying to get a thing <laughs> I like that too. Yeah, yeah. you know, That's everyone cool. is like fending off you know, the impossible huge horde of bad guys, mm-hmm. while you know the two other guys are working to set the thing up as fast as they can, and you know, creates a lot of tension. And cool. yeah. yeah, I love the the, the real risk reward type stuff you can put into a game that you can do this. It's going to take you longer, and it's going to be worth it. But your you know, that riskiness that's that's a lot of fun to play at a table. Yeah, I, I agree. I like those situations a lot. 
Well, speaking of the table, um, <laughs> to, to make a very generalistic segue, um, <laughs> have you? Uh, so, so, how's uh, playtesting been going? Let you've been getting good feedback from it. I have. Um, you know, we've got literally hundreds of groups out playtesting the game right now, and uh, you know, um, play playtesting. I would say overall people are pretty happy with it. Um, but the, but the results that I'm getting that are where, where people are having some issues and whatnot have really led to a lot of really interesting developments in the game. And, and so the, the, the core game itself is really going to go through, I think a whole nother evolution um, where, you know, like, the big pieces aren't changing, right? There's still going to be nanos and glaives and jacks and, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But I think uh, by the time I'm done here, nanos and jacks and glaives are going to actually work considerably different in how they oh. get their, their abilities and whatnot, um, just based on people's feedback, because um, the problems that people are having are often having to do with two things um one is just kind of a, a clarity issue that that one of the things about numenera is that potentially you've got so many different abilities mm -hmm. yeah abilities from your your type you've got abilities from your descriptor you've got abilities from your focus and potentially then you've got ciphers mm -hmm. and you know and then you can also utilize experience points during the game so there's almost too many resources and so i'm kind of paring that down but at the same time um, playtesters haven't have inspired me to put more choices involved um, so that when you gain a new tier uh, you know if you're a nano and you go or I'll use a different example when if you're a glaive and mm -hmm. you know I'm a third tier glaive and you were a second tier glaive um, instead of just telling you okay now you can do this and this now I'm saying okay pick from this list of that you nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Might even be cool. cool to randomize that on a table if someone so chooses. You could. You could. <laughs> nice. Well, we have come to the end of my questions, but there, look on the horizon. You'll see that cowled figure over there. That's Eric, who will be portraying the yes. spirit of Numenera future. And so, <laughs> I don't know that I would have played Grim Reaper. <laughs> he, he hides in the cowl because of how bad he rolls. Yeah. Scariest <laughs> one, right? As I, I have to wear the black robes and sickle. <laughs> <laughs> so in the future um i guess my, my first question would be uh do you and we've discussed the amber monolith a little bit do you see a possibility for more short fiction in the future by you or other artists authors um i i do actually um Excellent. it's it's definitely a goal of mine um that kind of in the spring i'm thinking uh still well before the release of the of the book but, you know, at a point where I kind of feel like Kickstarter backers and, and people who are interested in the game, you know, might, you know, they've heard, heard me talking about it, but they kind of, you know, would like something to tide them over um, for a while. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about releasing like a short collection mm -hmm. um, of, of fiction uh, as just as an ebook. And uh, that'll all be, um, well, I'm not exactly sure the details of that. Uh, other than that, but but I, it's, I really want it to have happen. I, I think they would be an excellent idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I definitely would look forward to reading some more stuff. I think it really does spark a, a super interest in everything, and and obviously your writing is very good. So please, okay. <laughs> please release more. Well, <laughs> especially the setting being so foreign in some ways. Yeah, it really helps bring you in and makes you understand and get where you're coming from because really your vision is what's driving the game and 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 we'll add our, our stamp on it by playing it but um we're we're inspired and excited about what what where your vision is coming from so we want to hear more of it yeah i think people learn best by example and mm -hmm. one of the great ways to show an example of of this is is to just uh uh you know show you know what a Numenera adventure might look like you know reading it from the point of view of a fiction um I'm a big fan of, of examples of play in games you know where you've got the game master and the players you know sort of written out almost like as a as a script 
for like a play or something. Um, and I, so I put one of those in the, uh, what has gone out to play testers um, in the, in the game mastering section and nobody's commented on it, which is, I'm a little bit surprised because I did something kind of nerdy. Um, so you've got the game master and then you've got three players and the players, their names are Bruce, Diana and Clark. Nice. And, you know, and so um, basically, you know, we've got uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman and Superman playing Numenera. Um, and, you know, and I even tried to kind of tailor what they said to be sort of appropriate to their to their personalities. Nice. I like to have fun stuff like that in there. Um, <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking that it, um, as we get closer, I don't know that I will do this, but it's an idea. Um, as we get closer to the release date, I might start releasing different examples of play just like online but in each one take on the role of of different you know like well known or famous people who you know and pretend that they're playing the <laughs> it's nice. I, th I think the only thing i have to ask is is bruce a rules lawyer <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's kind of a loner and uh he uh, he's, he's one of those players who you know isn't really out he, he's kind of out for his own you know <laughs> I'm awesome. looking forward to the founding fathers playing uh <laughs> playing Numenera. Oh goodness. Ben, Tom and George. Well, um with with that said, are, are there any thoughts on releasing uh Numenera modules and such? Um yeah, absolutely. Uh as as part of the Kickstarter, we've got three 32-page modules um that we're going to be releasing um, next year. The first one's probably going to be ready to go and printed about the same time that the core book comes out or so. Um, and that's going to be called The Devil's Spine. And uh, and then the next one is called The Mechanized Tomb. And the third one is called Beyond the Maelstrom. Hmm. And uh, beyond that, uh, there's probably going to be at least one more, probably a little bit meatier, bigger than than that. Um, but that's a little too far out to really start to talk about too much. That's interesting. I'm surprised there's anything beyond the maelstrom. Hi, <laughs> 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 together. So do you have, like, you've been putting out the design diaries and such, and I'm curious, do you just come up with those on the spur of the moment, or do you actually have like a list of like, these are future design diaries that I might be talking about. Uh, how, how do you choose your design diaries? Um, I kind of do both actually. Uh, I have a very rough idea of the things that I will talk about because, you know, design diaries are, are something that I've done for a really long time. I started them when I was working, um, uh, on a game called uh, Arcana Unearthed way back in uh, 2003, I think, 2002. And um, so I, I kind of have an idea of the kinds of things that I should be talking about and, and the kinds of things that people know. But then the other thing that I do is I just, they're, they're, sometimes they're just kind of what's going on in my head at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like right now I'm doing a lot of work on the setting and uh, so, you know, the the one that I'm working on right now that'll probably probably be up before this podcast is up um, is uh, one on uh, just sort of setting design and and different choices that mm -hmm. I'm making. Um, you know, one of the weird things about setting design is that, like, you have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to focus in on, and so how how I pick and choose you know, sort of what gets the attention and what doesn't. Cause you, you can't, you can't detail a whole world in, even in a, you know, a core book, the size of, of Numenera, even though it's a pretty meaty book, sure. um, it's a whole planet we're talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, do you, uh, speaking just off topic real quick, do you think there will ever be more planets? This isn't on our list, but <laughs> since more you mentioned more plans more planets. planets oh 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 yeah um i would be very surprised if at some point um we don't end up 
tossing some player characters uh, into another planet or nice. dimension, both. Yeah. Nice. Definitely would be fun. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Do you think uh, we kind of talked a little bit about the OGL earlier on? And I know that that's more D20 centric and such, but curious if you're ever thinking that Numenera may go in that uh, OGL type uh, direction or Creative Commons as we um, talk. Yeah, uh, you know, it's something that I'm giving a lot of thought to. Um, what I'm leaning toward right now is uh, creating essentially a free developer's license, which is a little bit different than an OGL. Mm-hmm. The OGL is just, you know, as the name says, it's just totally open. Yeah. Um, would like to be in a position where I work just a little bit closer with third-party developers. Oh, that makes sense. That's cool. But but still making it free for anyone to work on. Um, I, I did that with uh, with Arcana Unearthed and Arcana Evolved, uh, and that worked out pretty well. Excellent. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah. it's such a baby. I, I would I would want your blessing or stamp on anything that came out from a third party in that world. So. Well, that, that actually is a very good model uh, uh, to uh, Pinnacle does that with Savage Worlds and they've had a good deal of success with it with their licensees. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine it's very similar. Yeah, I think Goodman Games does that too. I think I think a lot of the I think that's the way a lot of places go nowadays. And it's good it's good to have the stamp of approval uh, because that just means it's everyone looking at it's going to go, "Okay, I know that, you know, Monty's looked at this or, you know, someone on his team and they've said, "Yeah, this is this is appropriate." And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, hopefully that means something to people because, you know, we saw, um, you know, so much good stuff came out of the D20 license, but so much crap also came out of the D20 yeah. license. As I say, at the very beginning, the OGL, it was, it was really nice. But then, like, after a while, it was just like, ooh, what is this? <laughs> no. Right. No. Right. There was just no controls yeah. on it. And, 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 and I, you know, that's good, too. I can see that I can see the upside of both. Um but for Numenera, I'll probably go with something that has me involved a little bit more closely. Not a lot. <laughs> That's good. We want you to protect the brand. I yeah, think it's a, it's a great brand and it's a great concept. And But at the same time, you know, that, that flexibility is also good too. It, it it adds a lot to it. So I'm excited. Thrilled. Cool. I, I don't think I've said that enough in this podcast. I'll, I'll make sure <laughs> to throw that in a few more times. We, we, we have to say it at least four or five times. It's a, it's I, I, I actually literally watched the uh, SNL skit of – Chris Farley interviewing Paul McCartney to make sure I didn't do that. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, it's classic. <laughs> so your your vision on the character creator app. Um, ha- have you gotten any work um, kind of on that? I'm sure you've been super busy with everything else, but how does how's that stacking up? Yeah. Um, so the the developers that I'm working with um, are called uh, their, their company is called Three Pound Games. And they uh, they really kind of get Numenera in a, in a good way, um, and uh, I think I think that it'll be it'll be really interesting. You know, Numenera as it's kind of shaking out. You know, it the the character creator app will be something that it, you know it's it's not like you need someone to like do a lot of the math for you right with like Mm -hmm. with some games um because there just there isn't a lot of that with numenera character creation but it's still nice to kind of give you okay now you know these your options right which is Mm -hmm. okay now choose uh you know a character descriptor and here are the choices and here's the benefits right and then you you can sort of click on one of those and then you know it figures all that in and changes what your pools are and stuff and um I think that'll be really, really useful. Um, I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about marrying sort of the electronic world and the tabletop world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because yeah. everyone, everyone that I play with is, has a smartphone with them at the table anyway, and and rather than just having them be texting half the time, I'd rather them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No comment. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think we see a lot it's of all computers. all stair lit, David. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all see a lot of computers and stuff at the table now anyway. So, yeah, as you said, it's good to have people actually using it for the game as opposed to against the game. Um, do, you, right. do you think that the uh, it's going to be as robust enough to where you can use it to track your uh, game stats, like your pools and, and such? I hope so. Um, it... Uh, you know, there's still a lot of details to work out, um, but I, I do hope so that, you know, if you want to, you don't have to bring a character sheet to the game, right? You mm-hmm. just bring your iPad or your iPhone or whatever you use. Um, that would that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't know. It's so difficult for me to talk about that kind of thing because I'm so ignorant as to what's possible and what's not possible when it comes <laughs> that kind of thing anything's possible (laughs) when i when i talk to them half the time it's like i'll say something and and i'll assume that that would be really easy and it turns out that's really hard Mm -hmm. and then i'll say something you know wistfully like oh if only we could do x and it turns out that that's really easy (laughs) well yeah like probably dice might be another thing that might be respectable in them as well that would be cool yeah tossing that out there <laughs> so, so, so our final listening developers yeah nice. yeah if That's you're listening, obviously you could do dice come on it's a random number <laughs> right right probably pretty simple and 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 interesting because numenera has some very specific things that happen when specific numbers come up on the dice you know oh yeah definitely so our final question that we've got and we kind of touched a little bit on the the, the words earlier um but do you have any hints or anything that you could give away about the short film that we might see? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I, I really, I only kind of know two things. Um, one is, is that uh, I'd really like it to be animated. That would be cool. And uh, the other thing is, is that I'm probably not going to give it very much thought until after I'm done designing the game. So, <laughs> Um, it, it is something that will almost certainly come out after the game is released. Yeah. Um, but hopefully not too long after. Actually, I have no idea how long even something like that would take, but, uh, it's probably something that I will be focusing a lot of my, uh, attention on after the core book is, is finished, which is to say, you know, April or May probably. So you think you're going to get Kieran into doing uh, animation? (laughs) (laughs) That would be cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. We would use all of that art as, you know, a starting point. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Very nice. Awesome. And that was actually exactly what I was about to ask. You thought about what style you kind of animation you wanted for that. And there Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I would like it to, to be, um, you know, it would be cool if it was um, a little bit stylized, a little bit, you know, that just isn't doesn't quite look like everything else that you see. Um, just because I think that that would kind of be true for to, to Numenera. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I honestly I haven't I haven't done really any research. I haven't talked to anybody. You know, I, 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 clearly I'm not an animator, so I've got to get someone else to work on it, and that has. <laughs> Um, it's just uh, something that I'm going to do, but it's it's well down on the list. No doubt. Well, that's uh, I, I, I've caught myself multiple times in this episode just sitting back and being a total fanboy and listening. And I've been thrilled to to have you on here. I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for the rest of the guys that that it's really been a pleasure and and. Everything you're doing with this, we don't want to keep you from it anymore. Get back to work. We're so excited about this. Um, fun time is over. Yes, fun time is over. Work. Back to work now. Um, but uh, we, we, we've just thrilled you You came on and uh, hope to have you again in the future when time permits. And Absolutely. certainly anybody else on your team that's available, uh, Shanna, Kieran. Uh, we've already talked with uh, Chris West and, and – uh, uh, made a contact there. So um, just just let us know anything we can do and, and anything that we can share with you uh, about this. But uh, we're thrilled being part of it uh, from a fan perspective and hope we continue to do you uh, uh, proud. And uh, guys, do you guys have any in- closing comments, Eric, Jim? 
Um, I'm good. Just thanks so much yes. for uh, coming and talking to us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much for taking some time. It shows your dedication to the gamers out there and, you know, being on all the podcasts and doing all the talking. I'm I'm surprised you've been able to get any work done. <laughs> yeah, well, stop thank that. Thank you very much, guys, for, for having me on. It's It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I think that uh, the Transmissions from the Ninth World is, is, is awesome, and I'm really glad you guys are doing it, and I hope I hope it goes for a long time. We we hope so too. We're absolutely. We, we we've got tons yeah. of material coming out, and we'll just keep keep plugging on for you. So with that, we're going to end the episode and round it down here. Um, again, thrilled to have Monty on, and hope you all enjoyed it just as much as we did. Because man, what a great great hour we've just spent. And uh, tune in next time. We'll we'll figure out what we're talking about some other time. Because. I'm just too excited. We got to end this. So (laughs) everybody have a great night. And thanks again, Monty. It was a real pleasure. Sure. Thank you. The Transmissions from the Ninth World podcast is not affiliated with Monty Cook Games. It has been produced under the Creative Commons license and is for entertainment and information purposes only. Music provided by Kevin McLeod. Transmissions from the Ninth World is a proud affiliate of the D20 Radio Group.